Oikos Podcast, Sustainability Conversations. Hello, this is Lindsay Schaefer with Oikos, and I'm at the Oikos UNDP Young Scholars Development Academy in Nairobi, Kenya, and I'm talking with Dr. Klaus Weber, Associate Professor of Management and Organization at the Kellogg School of Management at Northern, Northwestern University. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for being here. The format of the Oikos Academy gives PhD students a unique platform for presenting their research, gaining valuable feedback, and interacting with fellow students and faculty in an informal setting. Some would call this a unique experience in academia. What other formats are there, aside from Oikos, in your opinion, and what parts of the Oikos format are positive for participants? Um, I mean, I do think that Oikos is unique um, in that it's uh, it's small, it's focused, um, it's fairly diverse, and um, it takes um, everyone out of their own comfort zone, which I think is, is one of the most important and, and kind of generative aspects of the academy. Um, so there, there's other formats that, you know, I've been to. So you can go to a regular academic conference and you most likely you'll meet like, you know, 40, 50 people that do the same thing that you do. Um, and that's really important and develops depth and all that. But um, uh, you're less likely to be forced into an environment where you actually uh, talk to people who are, you know, I don't know, one person does economic modeling and the next one, you know, does ethnographic interviewing and uh, the third one does um, psychological experiments. You don't get that in many places and I think one of the really neat things about Oikos is um, that it brings together such a diversity of people that all have a common denominator and that is uh, the issues that they care about. So it's phenomenon focused which I, I think is really important. And I think the passion of, that the people, people bring to the table for the issues kind of makes them interact in a, in a very open and appreciative way, which I, I find quite unique. Um, so I mean, that there are, you know, the, there's workshops, conferences, um, there's um, academies that various professional associations put on. So you could go to the, like within the field of management, you could go to the Academy of International Business and there will be an emerging markets group. Uh, you can go to the Academy of Management and lo and behold, this year they had the theme of informal economy. Um, but nowhere do we have the, the kind of intimate setting of, um, of this academy with um, a deliberate goal to develop um, young researchers. And I think that's, that's what makes it so unique and valuable. Great. Uh, is there anything Oikos could add to its format to improve the experience? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, this is at the end of <laughs> a very long few days, so <laughs> it's hard to imagine doing more. <laughs> um, well, let me start with what I think Oikos definitely should keep, okay. um, and, and that is the, uh, the, the, the small number of participants and the amount of time given to each particular individual research project um, and the intensity of the feedback that every participant gets. I think that's, um, that's great. Um, I do like um, the um, practitioner aspects being exposed to I guess taking advantage of the local context, the fact that the academy takes place in, in Kenya this year and in other countries other years, you know, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. It would be awful not to kind of talk to entrepreneurs or um, activists or policymakers in that local context. So I think that's the, both of those are really useful. Um, I mean, I think 
what this year's academy didn't have as much was was kind of I don't know big picture general discussions um, about like you know more fundamental questions around development. And I realized that those aren't as important for developing young scholars' careers and getting papers published and all that. Um, but it's uh, it it means that you kind of take the theme as a given and kind of move on. Um, and I think um, some kind of reflectivity would be useful. Um, it might, if if possible, it might be useful to bring in additional faculty on an ad hoc basis um, who speak to specific issues. So not presenting their own research papers, I think that would be not so great. But you know, take faculty to task to you know talk about a particular theme or an issue, or it could be a professional development thing. So it could be about you know here's what I think from a long career in development studies about you know, the relationship between markets and morality. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would be a nice kind of counterpoint to the very kind of hands-on kind of work that we do mostly. Um, or like, a, you know, kind of a panel or something on, um, you know, from people that are editors of big journals, like, you know, here's how you would get into my journal. Uh, I think that'd be useful and you could even kind of, you know, patch you know, you could patch them in by, by Skype or something like that, mm -hmm. by video conference. Great, thank you. And more coffee breaks. So. Oh, <laughs> yes, a little more caffeine <laughs> in the afternoon. Yes. <clears throat> um, as you know and as you've seen, we have uh, students here that are in all, uh, all areas, all steps of their dissertation um, process. What characteristics make a good advisor or supervisor for a PhD student coming in when they're, when they're selecting one? Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the, I don't want to say revelations, but one of the things I had not realized before is how different um, advisor relationships are configured in different places. And um, I think at the level of the, just the pure the relationship, um, I, I, I more and more believe in the importance of having advisory relationships that are not just, where the advisor doesn't just sponsor research that the student does, mm -hmm. And you know you meet like every few months and you know kind of check off lists of things to do, um, but where it's it's a very close relationship and the advisor and the student work more like collaborators, like you have a senior and a junior collaborator, and the advisor thinks of the student not only as someone to train, though I think that's I think it's important to not forget that that you know you you're meant to develop the the student, but also someone who simply works on you with re, on on research um, that to me seems like a very fruitful model and it was very interesting to see how that model that for me is kind of natural because I come out of a system where that's the case is not universally shared so like advising as working together uh, finding mutual interests rather than just my interest as an advisor or just the student's interest as an advisor I think it allows the advisor to do a better job um, and I think behind that relationship there's a uh, there's an institutional infrastructure that enables and facilitates that. So I think in many schools, um, faculty do not have the skills, incentives, or inclination to work with PhD students because of the other things that they have to do. So I think there needs to be some sort of, you know, um, incentives and control for to to foster that. Otherwise, it's difficult for individual people to break out of it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much um, for taking the time to interview with me. Thank great. you. Mm -hmm. yeah, thanks for this one. Great.